Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. As we continue our study in Job chapter 1, we see how Job maintains his integrity in his suffering. We're in a series, what we've entitled, entitled, Why? And we're studying the book of Job. And so, if you don't know much about the book of Job, so Job has been, uh, as, a, as a guy who went through quite a lot, and pain and suffering is kind of, his deal. And so Pastor Jamie kicked us off last week in this series where uh, he talked about uh, a couple of different scenes, and he really set up kind of this, this theater motif, a couple of different scenes, a scene of what was happening in the heavenly realm with, with God and what was happening on earth. And there were two separate things going on, and, and Job down on earth didn't know what was happening or what was going on in the heavenly realm. And so that kind of started things off for us. And what, what Pastor Jamie left us with was he, he asked if us, us if we would be willing to surrender our need to understand. Because when we read difficult things in the Bible, our sense of injustice wells up in us and we say things like that we don't think that that's fair. And we are trying to make decisions based on our perspective. Pastor Jamie said, what if we surrender our need to understand? Maybe that we would realize that we don't have the full picture. And the other thing he shared that I thought was really important, he said, what if why, what if the question why is just a wedge designed by the adversary, the adversary that we met last week, designed by the adversary, to alienate us from God, to alienate us from God. So that's kind of how we set up this week. So we're diving back into Job chapter 1, starting in verse 13. If you have a Bible, grab one. Job's almost in the middle. It's before Psalms. Everybody, when you open up to the middle, you're going to find Psalms. It's before that. Um... It's an Old Testament book. We're not really sure who wrote it or, or how long ago it was written. We're going to dive in, start in verse 13. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, 
Yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Doesn't that sound exhausting? So according to this, the story that we get from the book of Job, all of this happened in quick succession. One thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. It was relentless. Job didn't even have a second to consider what was actually happening and just kind of punch after after punch, after punch. And it finished with the, the hardest piece of all was losing, losing his children. As Pastor Jamie said up last week, we're really working hard in this to try to, um, we want to be, we want to not say something that's going to hurt you. Like we understand that all of us are, have experienced and do experience hurt and pain and suffering. We don't want to do anything that adds to that. So in the thought of that, as I, I, I completed this message, I sent this to a friend of mine. Her name's Kirsten, and she recently lost her daughter to cancer. Her daughter's name was Lakin. And I said, hey, you're, you're living in this right now. Can you, will you take a look at this for me? Uh, and so she, she did, and then this is her response when I send it, sent it to her. And this is, it's really poignant, and so I, I just want to take a second to read it, all right? This is Kirsten speaking. After the loss of Lakin, I wished very much that I had a stronger faith as I felt it would have helped make this easier for me, provided a better understanding of why. As time has passed, I've realized that there is no why. It just is. Is it fair? Absolutely not. Does it mean that I am a bad person and I did something to deserve my fate? No, it just is. At Lakin's funeral, the pastor spoke of God giving us our children, loaning them to us for a time to take care of and love. They are always meant to go back to him because there is no greater love than his. She said that God does not wish to harm, harm upon us and would never take our children away from us. He is the ultimate protector. Hearing this was difficult for me because I was supposed to protect her. However, I've come to realize that her time here was short because it was supposed to be, and it was his will. She's where she should be, and someday I will join her. It's easy to be mad at him. It's easy to become a mess and lose all hope and faith. What's hard is seeing it for what it is. I mourn because I love. Love is grief. I will never be sorry for the grief I carry because it is Lakin's love 
and I have so very much of it in my heart. Somebody who's in the middle of this right now. We're going to come back to some of the thoughts, thoughts in there, but I think it sets up like a real world example, a little bit of what Job experienced. And Job had an absolutely remarkable response, didn't he? Now, in, in full, full disclosure, we don't know how long it took for Job to have this response. We don't have the context of time that's given to us in the story, but eventually Job got to this response. This is from Job chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, This naked I came from the womb, and naked I will return. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away, but blessed is the name of the Lord. Now, how, how is that the response? I don't know if you were here, if you remember, but uh, a, a while back, a series before this, we, we were talking about uh, the book Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, one of the things that it talked about in there is loving from the center of who we are. We're supposed to give our lives as a, a living sacrifice. We're supposed to be transformed. We're supposed to love from the center of who we are and realize that the center of who we are, the center of who we are is Jesus. The center of who we are is God. So if we claim to be a follower of Jesus, then the center of who we are is him. And Job Job could understand that. Job could, could grasp that. Not because it was easy. Can you imagine experiencing what Job experienced? Even the financial side of things, right? The entirety of his wealth gone in an instant. And some of us maybe can remember back to times where where that was true. Uh, is anybody old enough to remember Black Monday? It was October of 1987. Anybody? If you lived in a farming community, I'm guessing you remember this. At the time, it was the largest single-day crash of the stock markets that was coming off of a devastated farming economy. The farming economy had been damaged by inflation and drought. And the strain on the farming economy, which was the backbone of our, fi our financial system, finally culminated in a devastating destruction of our financial markets. In one day, 30% of the value was gone. If you don't remember that, maybe some of you remember the day after 9-11, when $1.4 trillion was lost in the markets. Maybe if you don't remember that, how about the housing bubble? 2008, almost all of the global banks in the entire world collapsed on the same day. 
Anybody? Remember this? How about the stock market crash of 2020? That was just a couple years ago. Come on. Remember that? Massive amounts of wealth leaving in seconds, hours, days. So there is a a little context for this to happen, but instead of it being global, it was centered on this one person. Just Job. Job had understood treasure. He'd understood gifts. But what was he able to do? He was able to distinguish between the gifts the camels and the donkeys and the oxen and the sheep, the servants, the riches, the land, the children. He was able to distinguish between the gifts and the giver. Job could utter the words of, of Job chapter 121 because he could understand the difference between the gifts and the giver. Job treasured his relationship with God more than he treasured his treasure, more than he treasured material things. And Job treasured his relationship with God more than his relationship with his kids. I understand that's offensive to a lot of us. This is the example that we're given. This is the example that we're given in the book of Job is that Job treasured something that the adversary couldn't touch. Right? Because if we can remember back to last week, if we can look back into Job chapter 1, the adversary was coming for Job because he wanted to prove that the only reason there was a relationship between Job and God was because of the gifts. God knew better. Job showed better. When it came down to it, Job was sad, there was grief, there was hurt, there was pain, and he clung to his relationship with the giver of the gifts. It's not easy. And Job wasn't, Job, Job wasn't not moved, right? If you remember, Baggett says that this Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. So first off, like it says that Job got up, I'm assuming that Job was knocked to the ground by the news, was devastated, his knees were weak, he was 
his continents destroyed. He wasn't able to hold himself together and he collapsed on the ground. That's what I imagine happened. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm old. I'm not that old. But Job got up off the ground and then he, he tore his robe. This is kind of a, a symbol, especially culturally, of there's something going on. Like I'm, I'm so frustrated. There's something going on within, within me. There's an inner turmoil. And then Job shaved his head and not like with a, you know, not like with a fancy wall trimmer. Or even the cordless fancy ones that the haircutters use. Like, not that. He, he had a knife or some sheep shearing scissors. And he just went to hacking away at his hair. And this was a, a long-term cry for help. Eventually, he could, he could change his robe and put on a, a clean one, but his head being shaved, it was a cry for help. I can't do this on my own. Someone noticed that I'm not okay. I need community. Don't run from me. Part of the, the series that we did before 167, the other thing, one of the other things we talked about is rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. Pastor Chris was going to tell the story today. I'm going to borrow it. And it's going to be really vague for two reasons. One, it's his story. And so I'm just going to do my best from him telling me it. And two, just to not share who, who it is of, because I don't have permission to do that. But it's in the vein of mourn with those who mourn. He shared, he shared a story with me of someone who had a friend who would come by their house at 5.15 in the morning just to see if that person was sitting on their deck drinking coffee. If they weren't there, they would just go back home. If they were on their deck drinking coffee, this person brought their own coffee, would sit down and not speak, but just be present. What a gift. That's meeting someone who's mourning where where they are. Being willing to be present. Being willing to maybe even be uncomfortable. And Job was, was crying for help. He shaved his head. He tore his robe. He didn't want to have to go through this alone. And there's lots of different ways that we we grieve, and all of those are okay. Everybody grieves uniquely, and I, I, I don't know everybody's story. Sioux Center Campus, I don't know everyone's story there. I don't know what pain and hurts and suffering you've experienced, but I do know that all of us have experienced some. Our family has experienced hurt and loss and pain. And the place that, that I got to 
over time, not instantly, kind of like the story with Job without the context of, of time. I don't remember how long it took me to get uh, to this place, but where I could get to through our grief was that, and our loss was that God loved the person that we loved more, more than we did. God loved her more. So he wants what's best for her. He knows. So I had to, I got to that place. And then I also got to the place where our time together, we had a short time together. Our time together was on purpose and it was for a purpose. There was a reason we were included in this person's life. And I I don't understand what it is, and I may never understand why. And so we, we, we quit asking. But I believe that our time together was on purpose and for purpose. And lastly, and this was, this is a hard one. I got to where I could believe that all of the pain and suffering we experienced was worth it because of the time we had together. Now we also had a verse that our family clung to during the seasons, John 16, 33. John 16, 33, and it says this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble But take heart, I have overcome the world. And for the longest time, I thought the trouble that is referenced in here is outside trouble. Something happening to me, something happening to my family. And that's just what I thought that it was. And as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, I wonder what what this trouble is in reference to. And in, in, different, um, in different translations of the Bible, it, there's different words. There's trials, uh, tribulations. Um, but, but the word actually does not talk about outside turmoil, things happening to us from outside. What this actually is referencing is the internal struggle. And it's the internal struggle that's been the struggle for us humans since the very beginning, since Genesis chapter 3. So Genesis 1 and 2, awesome, in the presence of God, in the Garden of Eden, it is beautiful, everything is sweet. And Genesis 3 happens, is what is Genesis 3 about? It's about the adversary showing, showing back up, right? The adversary is there, and the adversary has a similar question. Is God really good? Is God really good? Can, I, can you trust God? Genesis chapter 3, this is what the serpent is asking Eve. Is God really good? 
Can you trust him? Does he want what's best for you? Are you sure? This is the inner turmoil we struggle anytime, anytime we are faced with hurt, pain, or suffering. This is the inner battle that we have. Is God really good? Can I trust him? Does he want what's best for me? Does God want to see my flourishing? That's the trouble that God knew that we would have. That's the trouble that Jesus knew we would have. Jesus knew our lives following him would not be pain-free, would not be hurt-free, would not be free of suffering. Would not be free of loss. He knew that was true. So he's saying, hey, you're going to have this inner struggle. And we can assume that Job had that for some piece of that time. In his grief and the ripping of his robe and the time that it took to shave his head. That he was wondering, God, am I missing something here? Like, what, what is this all about? I thought we were good. But I look around here and all I see is destruction. And loss and suffering. There's a key, key verse at the end of this. So verse 22 says that in all of this, Job did not sin. In all of this, Job did not sin. And so sin is actually an archery term. So sin means to miss the mark. So you've aimed at something and you you miss. So in all of this, Job did not miss the mark. And all that he said, he did not miss the mark. What was the mark? Do we, do we read that? What was the aim? The aim was seeking to be in God's presence. When difficult, hurtful, painful things happen in the lives of humans... We have two basic responses. 
run away from God, run to God. Job chose to run to God. He chose to seek the presence of God. He fell down in worship. So, what are we to do? I don't know where you are in the grieving, suffering, pain process. But one thing that we do know is true, that that suffering and pain and hurt, this is where we all are on a level playing field. Because it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, if you are, are well-educated or not well-educated, if you have a, a great job or you're working five jobs just to make ends meet, it doesn't matter. Suffering comes for all of us. And we're either currently in a situation that we are trying to hold on to God as we suffer through we're on the way out of that. There's one recently in our past that we, we can remember all too well or we're on an on-ramp headed towards one. Our lives will not be free of this. Jesus did not promise that. And so this will be an opportunity all of us will have all too soon. Are we going to run from God or are we going to seek God's presence? And I want to challenge you today to seek the presence of God. For some of us, it might be really hard to do. But I want to kind of give us a key, a, uh, a key to the front door of this, so, so to speak. So here in, um, here in Hayward, on your seats, you've got a sheet of paper. Looks like this. In uh, Sioux Center, these will be on the joy box tables at the back of the worship area. But it says, who, does, who God says I am? So sometimes when we're afraid to seek the presence of God, that's because we don't feel like we deserve it. We don't feel like that's, that's our place. We've done too much wrong. And that might, that's probably true. But that's, not the, that's not the marker of who deserves to be in the presence of God. If you read back in Job chapter 1, God talks about who Job is. Job is blameless and upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. What he's what God is saying is he's telling us who he sees Job to be. And this list is a list of things that God has said about you. I'm chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. God. 
I'm called, I'm accepted. These are things that we took out of the Bible. They're in the Bible, it's front and back. I want you to take this with you. Every person in both of our rooms, every person here in Haywarden, every person in our Sioux Center campus this morning, there is something on this list that you need to hear. There's something on this list that you need to hear God say. So in Sioux Center, grab one of these on your way out here in Hayward and take this with you. Find the statement on here that you need to hear. So that you fear free. You feel free to seek God's presence. You feel free to drop down on your knees and worship at your lowest point, the point of your deepest hurt, your greatest sadness, that you know this is how God sees you and he wants you in his presence. What the adversary tells us is that God doesn't want anything to do with you when you're like this. Run from God. And what God says is that you're my child. You're beloved. I've redeemed you. I've called you. Come be with me. That's the challenge this week. As you are working through your current sufferings or your past sufferings, seek his presence. Choose to be present with God. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.